the Captain's Log, Episode 6, A Latent Hope, Part 3. We're in the middle of a three-part series on biblical lament, and it would be helpful if we could take a moment to recap where we've been so far. Remember the title is A Latent Hope, which means that this is a hopeful practice that's unfortunately misunderstood and neglected. In the first part, we learn that lament is reaching out to God in our brokenness. It is worship unfettered by facade. We saw that one-third of the Psalms are laments, that Jesus himself lamented, wept, agonized, and questioned the Father, and that cultural factors usually prevent us from engaging in this scriptural practice. In the second part, we learn that Lamentations certainly has its historical roots, but that it is actually also a paradigm of earnest worship amidst tragedy. In part three, we're going to examine the practical application and implications of lament. We will do this by asking how, why, where, and when, and we'll conclude by looking at examples and discussing together the implications. Let's begin by exploring the question how. First, it's important to understand that lament is actually not losing faith, but desperately clinging to it. Job serves as a mentor of refusing to let go even in the midst of devastation. I'd like to extensively quote from Michael Card's book, A Sacred Sorrow, here. He begins by saying, and I quote, In Job we discover a person who will simply not let go of God, in spite of death, disease, isolation from friends and family, and ultimately a perceived abandonment by God. Those around him, including his own wife, plead for him to let go and to die. But Job, like Jacob, faithfully holds on in the wrestling match of his life. And like Jacob, he no doubt limped for the rest of his faithful and God-haunted life. Once we witness his example, how could we ever expect otherwise? He goes on to say, By the end of the book, I always imagine Job and God standing with their arms around each other like a couple of weary boxers. Job's jaw is swollen, one of his eyes is black, he must keep one arm around his opponent in order to remain upright. But he has a grin on his bloody face that comes from the knowledge that it was never about winning the fight. It had absolutely nothing to do with being right. It was always only about being faithful. Job has survived the prescribed number of bouts. He has finished his race. His reward? Does he get his children back? No, he gets God back. It's a powerful reminder to us that in actuality we probably don't need to be instructed in the particulars of how to lament as if it were a formula, but rather we need the reminder that we can lament, that we can approach God, that we can wrestle until we've exhausted ourselves and all of our mourning turns into joy and to praise. It's also important for us to understand that that moment of release is a gift from God. Galatians 5.22 reminds us that the fruit of the Spirit is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, joy and peace when it comes is something that's supernatural. It's not something that we can accomplish in and of our own strength. It's important to understand that. It's also important to understand that we must position and pattern ourselves with the examples that are provided to us in Scripture. Laments, for example, have a transition to praise. You can see those clearly in the Psalms. Psalm 69 serves as a perfect example. I would encourage you to go read it and to find the point where it transitions from really sorrow to hopeful optimism of hope. 
and of joy and praise in God. God's Word is an inexhaustible treasure house that supernaturally works in our lives, and it would be wise for us to recover its use and proper place in the full spectrum of its emotional uh, wrestling within our own lives. And then also, finally, we, we engage in lament by praying, by writing, by singing, by talking, by weeping, by grieving, by actually engaging in those acts that allow us to process through the different things that we experience in this life, in our fallen world. And so we actually have to pick up the pen. We actually have to put fingers to the typewriter, or to the keyboard, rather. We actually have to use our voices to sing. We have to go to God in prayer and express the reality of how we feel and where we're at. And we do this in conjunction with what the Word of God teaches us and with the very words of God that are provided to us in the Psalms, for example. Now we turn our attention to asking the question, why? Why should we engage in lament? There are several reasons, but the first of which is because lament is a type of theodicy. Well, what is a theodicy? It's simply a suggested resolution to the tension between the goodness and sovereignty of God and the existence of evil and suffering in the world. And that's certainly a tension that we feel at a personal level, at a philosophical level, and certainly also at a theological level as uh, believers from all different backgrounds wrestle with this question, either in their own personal lives or through evangelism. I'm reminded of an article that was written uh, called Christian Belief in a Postmodern World, which gave us an analogy that's helpful in thinking through the seeming options that we have. When faced with this tension, the tension of theodicy, Believers are like weary sojourners on a raft heavily laden with the precious cargo of doctrine. This affords only two apparent decisions in navigating the tumultuous rapids of orthodoxy and a fallen world. Either recklessly ride the rapids or jettison the cargo. When navigating the tumultuous rapids of this fallen world and clinging to the doctrinal cargo for dear life, lament reminds us that we always have a faithful companion. He is the answer. If Christians are like weary drifters on a raft in their pursuit of answers, then lament is initially an acknowledgement of our frantic condition. There is, in fact, intellectual, philosophical, theological, personal, and communal tension. There are real people who are reeling with uncertainty, with confusion, with hurt. Lament serves as the hopeful process of conversing with God amidst the unexplainable pain, suffering, and evil in this world. Acknowledging tension is not enough. It must also be relieved. God's Word affords us the liberty and provides the language to engage with Him until our pain and confusion transpose to praise. Theodicies in general may help in finding the intellectual or philosophical resolve to the tension, but what about the relational resolve? No theodicy can adequately quell all of our uncertainty. However, lament scripturally frames the tension and guides us towards restored fellowship with God. Not only should we consider lament because it's a 
means of theodicy and engaging with the tension that we're faced with there, but secondly because lament is actually a type of worship. Worship in its most basic form simply means recognizing and giving voice to the worthiness of God. And so it's important for us to understand that regardless of our life situations or circumstances, the worth of God is never diminished. Ask yourself the question, is God worth your tears? Is he worth your honesty? Is he worth your reckless abandon? And so we have to understand that lament is also a type of worship, and it's not cut off from worship. Worship, after all, is not merely happy church music. A third reason we should engage in lament is because people are aching for authenticity. I'd like to quote a theologian from the 70s here that I think can shed a little light. He says, and I quote, If I appear to be carefree, it's only to camouflage my sadness. In order to shield my pride, I try to cover this hurt with a show of gladness. But don't let my show convince you that I've been happy since you decided to go. Oh, I need you so. I'm hurt and I want you to know. But for others, I put on a show. Just like Pagliacci did, I try to keep my sadness hid. Smiling in the public eye, but in my lonely room, I cry. The tears of a clown when there's no one around. Now there's some sad things known to man, but ain't too much sadder than the tears of a clown when there's no one around. And that theologian, of course, is Smokey Robinson. It's important for us to engage people with authenticity, not to put on simply plastic smiles and to sing happy church songs, all the while hiding or brushing over the reality of our pain. People do crave authenticity. Well, we should also answer the question, where? Where should we engage in biblical lament? Of course, we should engage in lament in our prayer lives as we come to God and we have a personal relationship with Him on account of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf on the cross we can now boldly approach the throne of God with the understanding that we have a high priest who can in every respect sympathize with us in our weakness, in our pain, and in our hurt. We can come before God with biblical lament in terms of our small group gatherings, whether that's a small group with our local church, whether it's a Sunday school class that we're gathering in, or whether it's just simply a group that informally meets for whatever reason. We weep with those who weep. We pray together. We laugh with those who laugh. We live together, and we do life together in all of the ups and in all of the downs. I think it's also important to understand that we should engage in biblical lament in corporate worship. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, if we're commanded to speak to ourselves in psalms, and if we're commanded to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly as we teach and admonish one another in the singing of psalms, then certainly we can't ignore that one-third of the psalms are 
lament psalms. And so as we sing together, as we gather together and sing praises to the Lord, I think it would be helpful for us in our corporate worship services also to remember those who are sorrowful, to remember those who are hurting, to remember the broken, and to sing songs that aren't just merely happy church songs, but to also sing songs that resonate with the fallenness of our human condition and the practical reality of all that means. Yes, it's important to engage in biblical lament in our personal prayers, in our small group gatherings, but also in the context of our corporate worship. Finally, let's take a look briefly at the question, when? When is it that we should engage in biblical lament? There are certainly all manners of circumstances and contexts in which we should engage in this biblical process, but to name a few, we should engage in biblical lament when we face the death of those we love, when we face national or global catastrophe, when we are overcome by depression, when unthinkable personal tragedy hits, when we become aware of our sins, as in Psalm 51, and when we see the suffering of others. These are merely a few examples of what we'll undoubtedly face throughout the course of our lives and throughout the course of the lives of those that we have in our network of friends and acquaintances and church congregation members and Sunday school classes and small group gatherings, our co-workers, our aunts, our uncles, our brothers, our sisters, our brothers and sisters around the world. As we meditate on all of the pain and the sorrow that exists in this world, not merely our own personal pain, but the pain of all who are in existence. There are many tears that need to be wept, that need to be wept by us. And what we've learned, hopefully, as we've merely scratched the surface of what biblical lament is, is that tears are also a form of worship. And therefore, it's okay for them to fall. I'd like to conclude our time together by giving some examples and reading some lyrics of songs that I think are particularly helpful in beginning to go through the process of biblical lament. One of the songs is called Come Lift Up Your Sorrows by Michael Card. And I'd like to quote it, certainly not sing it, but quote it nonetheless here. If you are wounded, if you are alone, if you are angry, if your heart is cold as stone, if you have fallen and if you are weak, come find the worth of God that only the suffering seek. The chorus goes, Come lift up your sorrows and offer your pain. Come make a sacrifice of all your shame. There in your wilderness, he's waiting for you to worship him with your wounds, for he's wounded too. He has not stuttered and he has not lied. When he said, Come unto me, you're not disqualified. When you are heavy laden 
you may want to depart, but those who know sorrow are closest to his heart. In this most holy place, he's made a sacred space for those who will enter in and trust to cry out to him. You'll find no curtain there, no reason left for fear. There's perfect freedom here to weep every unwept tear. I would encourage you to go and seek out a few resources from Michael Carr, the first of which is a book called A Sacred Sorrow, and it's well worth getting the experience guide that accompanies that, and it takes you through a journey in various passages and various characters from God's Word as you learn about what lament is and and how to engage in it. And then also there's a, a companion album uh, that would be helpful too. And you can find those resources, of course, on Michael Card's website, but also on Amazon. Well, there's another song here that I want to quote to you extensively, and this is perhaps the best song of all at really getting to the heart of what I think lament is trying to get at. In fact, when you first hear the lyrics, you may be taken back for a moment. You may feel as if it's inappropriate to say that. How dare you say that to God? But as the song progresses, as the lyrics continue on, I think you'll begin to get a sense that it's actually the process of working through, of exhausting yourself against your pain until it resolves into praise. And this song is the best at doing that that I've found to date. And so I hope you'll also go, and this is on the Jesus Record by Rich Mullins, and uh, the cover version is fairly good, but to listen to Rich sing it himself on the, the tape recorder version of this is, uh, is truly powerful. It's called Hard to Get by Rich Mullins, and this is what it says. You who live in heaven, hear the prayers of those of us who live on earth, who are afraid of being left by those we love, and who get hardened by the hurt. Do you remember when you lived down here where we all scrape to find the faith to ask for daily bread? Did you forget about us after you had flown away? Well, I memorized every word you said. Still, I'm so scared I'm holding my breath while you're up there just playing hard to get. You who live in radiance, Hear the prayers of those of us who live in skin. We have a love that's not as patient as yours was. Still we do love now and then. Did you ever know loneliness? Did you ever know need? Do you remember just how long a night can get? When you were barely holding on and your friends fall asleep and don't see the blood that's running in your sweat, will those who mourn be left uncomforted? while you're up there just playing hard to get. And I know you bore our sorrows, and I know you feel our pain, and I know it would not hurt any less, even if it could be explained. And I know that I am only lashing out at the one who loves me most. And after I figured this, somehow, all I really need to know is if you who live in eternity 
hear the prayers of those of us who live in time. We can't see what's ahead, and we cannot get free of what we've left behind. I'm reeling from these voices that keep screaming in my ears all the words of shame and doubt, blame and regret. I can't see how you're leading me unless you've led me here, where I'm lost enough to let myself be led. And so you've been here all along, I guess. It's just your ways, and you're just plain hard to get. If you haven't already, let me encourage you to take a moment to go back and listen to episode 4 and episode 5 of Captain's Log, where we introduce the concept of biblical lament and really uh, examine the biblical foundations of it, and then also take a look through uh, the entirety of the book of Lamentations, or at least an overview. We'll shift gears now and take a look at the nerdy side of Captain's Log. Uh, we ran a poll on Twitter, and the question posed was, which technology would Baptist most benefit from? And the options were transporters, replicators, synthahol, and phasers. And the winner, of course, was transporters, with replicators coming in second, synthahol coming in a close third, and uh, phasers coming in last. A few people did reply to the poll. Lucas Mackey said, surprisingly difficult question, Captain, would likely vary from local church to local church. Replicators for potlucks. Uh, transporters for foreign missions would be nice, too. Then again, replicators would be good for relief, medical supplies, etc. And Chris Land said, if people from my church voted, then phasers. Well, I'd like to take a moment to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It truly is appreciated. There are a few things that you can do to help the show along. If you could visit CalvinistPicard.com and take a moment to go to the first contact page and there leave feedback. You can share what you like, share what you dislike, and offer suggestions. All feedback really is welcome, and it'll help the show uh, get better over time. You could also take a moment to visit the Captain's blog to uh, take a look at the latest posts that have been shared there on the website. You can also go to iTunes and rank the show. Just do a simple search for Captain's Log, and it'll be one of the first uh, podcasts that pop up there. Of course, you can follow Calvinist Picard on Twitter. You can also log on to Facebook and find the Calvinist Picard page there. And in addition to that, you could also email at calvinistpicard at gmail.com. I'll leave you with just a quick word of encouragement. When life feels like a season one, the next generation episode, just remember that season three and beyond is on the way. Thanks for listening.